Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical, actually, every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. Welcome to episode 16. My special guest is David Villella. Welcome, David Villella, to Broadway's Backbone. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm great. We are currently in Vegas, just uh, miles away from the Strip. And so let's just get started. Uh, Tell me about yourself, uh, where are you from, and how you got started. Well, I am from Trenton, New Jersey, born and raised. Um, I went to Ithaca College and studied musical theater there and got a degree from there. And then I went to New York City. I actually did a cruise ship before I officially moved to New York City, but I worked for Royal Caribbean, saved some coins, and then I moved to New York City. And that's basically how uh, it all began, just uh, doing local theater. I did some community theater um, growing up, and then I got involved in the school plays and the choir and all of that excitement, and then I wound up going to Miss Simone's Dance Studio, where I took tap and jazz and loved it. And thought, you know what, I'm kind of good at this. I, I really like it, and I want to do this with my life. My mom would take me to see shows in New York. Jersey, obviously, is very close to New York City. And we would go see shows, and I was like, that's amazing. I kind of want to do that. And that's what started the ball rolling. Well, didn't you have stories about dressing up in trash bags? Oh, you have to bring those stories into it? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brad. Um, well, you know, as a kid being bored in my basement, I would, you know, dance, make outfits, and yes, occasionally I would grab a trash bag and try to be creative and and uh, coerce my sister Sandy to come down and take pictures of me and <laughs> learn some of the routines that I was choreographing. But yes, I had a very active imagination as a child and played many a Donna Summer album while dancing, swinging around poles in my basement. Thanks for bringing that up, Brad. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> uh, well, that's what's great is because I would probably consider you one of my closest best friends in the world, so I'll bring up lots of things like that. Awesome. Uh, were you teased at all or made fun of? I mean, how was it being a boy and uh, running around? I. It's funny. As later in high school, I, be, I became sort of cool because... I was in the talent shows, and um, all the kids were sort of like, ooh, you can sing and dance. It was cool then. But when I was taking my sequined onesie into my seventh grade classroom and trying to dance to ease on down the road from the whiz <laughs> without a dance belt, that didn't go over so well. But I later, as I became a, a junior and a senior and had like the lead in the high school musical, then it became cooler. I would never say I was the coolest kid on the block, but um, I guess I had some taunts and jeers along the way, but I was never beat up, thank God, knock on wood, or bullied to the point of feeling like I was in danger in any way, but um, I had a couple of, you know, not-so-nice comments made along the way, nothing that scarred me too deeply, thank God. Nothing that prevented you from making the decision to go away to college and no, nothing that deterred me from wanting to do it. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And you had your full support from your parents, or were they like, do you really want to do this? My mom was amazing. She um, always, always supported me. As a matter of fact, when I was 15, um, I lived close to Bucks County Playhouse, and we auditioned, and I got to do a summer with them, and it was a big deal because you stayed there, and at that time, they had Bucks County Playhouse, Pocono Playhouse, and Falmouth Playhouse. And we would do one show and do mini tours a week in each place. So we did three shows, Barnum, Oliver, and I can't remember the other one. Barnum, Oliver, Sound of Music. And we got to do that and roam around. And that was like my first, like, oh, I'm working with New York City actors. Meanwhile, they're like, can you please mop the stage? Because <laughs> I was an intern and had to learn everything and run follow spot and build the sets and blah 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 but I learned so much doing that and again as a 15 year old working with all of these New York City kids I felt like it was the bomb diggity and the best experience ever and 
And uh, my mom was like, get over there and audition, and was really supportive, and had always been very supportive. She's the one who had to drive me to dancing school all those years. Oh, absolutely. Ten years. I started when I was seven, and I ended at 17 before I went off to college. So my mom, luckily, has been probably my biggest fan. My mom and then her mother, who's since passed, my bubby, they were my biggest supporters, always. Oh, well, good for Mama Lil. Hi, Yay! Mama Lil! Hi, Mama Lil. <laughs> um, do you know, and uh, Bucks County Playhouse has now had a resurgence. They, I've been seeing that. Which is really exciting, because it's yeah. his historical theater. It's amazing, and it's a cute town, and I, you know, I definitely credit them for giving me a taste of what it was going to be like, and I had a great summer there. It was like my first time being out of, you know, my parents' home, and um, it was exciting. An exciting time. So would you consider Bush Gardens your professional debut? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, kind of. I mean, I had done some summer stock. It's defunct now, but there used to be a place. I always mix it up with North Shore Music Theater, but it was Music Theater North up in Potsdam, New York, and I did two summers with them. I thought I was the bomb because I got to play Tulsa and Gypsy, and it was amazing, and I loved it. But um, So those were professional. I got paid. Oh, I mean, okay. not a lot, and it was summer stock, and... You know, we rehearsed all day and then performed all night, and I loved every minute of that for an entire summer. But as far as um, corporate stuff, yeah, I guess so. Bush Gardens Williamsburg in 19... We're not going to talk about it, but a long time ago, um, had a great time working there, and, you know, the five-show day, making that happen oh. twice a week, and... It's amazing. I mean, but again, it's such a great training ground for people to like have to pull it out and do it that, you know, many times a day was incredible because now, you know, on a two show day, it's like, oh, that's nothing. Right. Now, because yeah. I had to do five, you know, before. So it was great not doing training. like eight Russians in a row. The stuff that. First of all, I can never do a Russian. But second of all, <laughs> <laughs> that was your track. Um, no, but yes, I mean, it was it was stamina. It was pacing yourself stamina and learning how to be on you know full throttle five times a day so it was great training and i had a great time there i met my first love i had my first boyfriend and you know all of that kind of stuff and um it's good memories i'm still friends with with a few of those people which is kind of cool and how'd you get your equity card my equity card was through <coughs> a production of the hot mikado at the Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. And that was an amazing experience for me. I um, was part of this incredible cast. Loretta Devine from Dreamgirls was in it. Um, the original Jack from Into the Woods, Ben. I can't think of his last name right now. Don't hate me if you're listening. Um, but it was just chock full of amazing people Michelle Robinson Brenda Braxton I'm name dropping like a motherfucker but still it was all these <laughs> cool people who I was like oh my god I'm working with like Broadway's finest and actually a bunch of them had come off of um, Jelly's Last Jam and we were doing our gypsy runs in New York City we rehearsed in New York and lo and behold I'm in a room tap dancing for Gregory Hines who came to support his fellow his castmates from Jelly's Last Jam which was crazy to me and very exciting. Um, but that was when I got my equity card. And I think it was 95. I might be wrong on that date. But I think it was 1995. And um, it was a great production. It was also my first heartbreak, real heartbreak with Showbiz. Because we were getting all this amazing feedback. And they were writing in the Washington Post, you know, see it before it goes to Broadway. We actually had a going to Broadway party next door at the Hard Rock Cafe where they closed it down and we had a cake with the show's emblem and everything was like, woohoo, oh my God, I'm going to Broadway, my first equity gig and I'm going to Broadway. It never went to Broadway and it was um, very sad actually, but an important lesson for me to learn early on that talk is cheap and until that curtain actually goes up on yeah. opening night or first preview, don't, don't count your chickens before they hatch, in showbiz especially. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing for me. But I love doing the show, and I'm still surprised after all these years that a production of it hasn't gone to Broadway, because I thought it was that good. It was David Bell directing Rob Bowman, I think, was the musical director. 
And I thought it was a fantastic show. And I've heard rumors of other productions almost going again. Mm. And for whatever reason, it stops short every time, which is kind of sad. But anyway. So you moved to New York um, from there, and then you started living there? Or your next big thing was the Cats tour? Um, well, Cats came about... Um, I got Cats Germany first. Oh. So I actually went to Hamburg, Germany, learned the production in Deutsch, which was no easy feat, mind you. And you were Tugger. You sang Tugger? I was Tugger. Yep, I was, I was Tugger. I actually, when I got cast, I got cast to cover Tugger and Monkus Trap and to sing in the booth. But while we were in, it was a five-week rehearsal period because of learning a new language and just how intense that show is. Um, they fired the guy that was, it was a German soap opera actor who was supposed to play Tugger. It wasn't working out with him. He was a really cool guy too. I felt bad. But whatever happened, it didn't work out. And that's the role I was learning. And then they just bumped me up into the track, which was kind of amazing. I was, I was really glad that happened too because A, I didn't have to learn Monkus Trap, which was a whole lot more German to memorize. And B, <laughs> I didn't know how happy I would be just sitting in a booth waiting to go on for somebody once a week on their day off or if they took a vacation. So that was kind of a cool thing that just sort of happened. And then the director of Hamburg production of Cats, uh, he was the director of the Cats tour in the States. And when I got home, whoever was before me, I can't remember his name either because it was that long ago, um, he was leaving the tour and I got a call, would you be interested in touring? And I remember going in and going onto the Broadway at the Winter Garden. I was on stage and Tara Rubin was sitting out there and I had to perform for her, freaking out. And I was told, it's gonna work out. Would you like to pack a bag and go on the road? And I did for over a year. I went and did Cats, which was crazy because you'd think learning the English would be easy, but because I had pounded the German into my skull for so long, it was hard to then put the English in. <laughs> so, Do you remember any of it in German? I don't. I really don't. So I can't say sing Rumpfentugger to you no. in, in German and you wouldn't? I couldn't. I really couldn't. I just don't remember. If I read it over <laughs> and went over it once, I could, but I can't. And did you like touring? Did you like that whole suitcase life? I actually did at that point in my life. I actually really did. Um, it was a fun show to be a part of, and I, I love traveling in general, so to get to go to cool cities and be a part of a show that people were still excited to see and get paid quite nicely, because at that time tours were still actually paying decent salaries, and you could actually you know, live off your per diem and put your salary check into the bank and have this really nice nugget when you got off the tour. I don't know how many tours you can still do that on these days, but at that time it was still like an equity production contract mm. tour and Tugger was a principal contract, which was kind of exciting. So I, um, I loved it. I really did. Other than putting on the makeup every day, <laughs> which honestly was not, I'm not kidding. Like you should never have to stare at yourself that long in a mirror ever. And I was looking way too much at my face and I literally jokingly, they wanted to resign me for another contract and I jokingly said, can you hire someone to put on my makeup? I'll stay. And they were like, you know we don't do that. And I said, well, I think I'm done here. So it was a great experience, but between Hamburg and the road here in the States, it was almost two years of my life. So I was kind of like, I was done. Two years was a nice chunk of time to do Cats. So thank you, Andrew Lloyd Webber. He paid many a bill for me, and it was just a great experience to be a part of that production. And again, I made some amazing friends from that. Right. Well, um, Irving Berlin paid some bills for you as well. For you and me both, yeah. boo <laughs> Yeah. So your Broadway debut uh, was a little show called Annie Get Your Gun. Annie Get Your Gun, yes. Where we met, yay! yay. With Bernadette Peters. Yes. So how was it just making your Broadway debut? Dream come true, all of it was incredible. For me, I always say, because Annie Get Your Gun was my, as of this date, only Broadway experience, I still say if it, that has to be, which I hope it's not, but if it has to be my only Broadway experience, I'd like to say I got the creme de la creme of what a Broadway experience should be. I worked with legends, Bernadette, Reba, Crystal Bernard, not so much, but still, you know, <laughs> we got to work with incredible people. Yeah. 
We won the Tony for Revival. Our cast album won the Grammy for that season, and it ran for a nice chunk of time, like two and a half years yeah, I was close there. Yeah, Yeah. And I just feel like it was everything I had hoped a Broadway experience would be, especially like we did in Out of Town. We went to the Kennedy Center, back to D.C. again for me. So it was cool to like be a part of something from the beginning through the whole rehearsal process, do the Out of Town, still tinkering, making things different, bringing it back to New York, having it be the success that it was, almost sort of dwindling with, you know, Cheryl Ladd and blah, 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 but then Reba coming in and launching it back to the height of success once again. It was like a roller coaster ride, but it was incredible. And it was everything I had ever hoped a Broadway show would and could be. We were on the Tonys. We won the Tony. Bernadette won the Tony. You know, like, to be a part of that energy and that excitement was everything I had always dreamt and hoped that a Broadway experience would be. Right. So it was a dream come true. Uh, well, we both had features in the show. Mine, I was dining car waiter. I had one line. Woo-hoo! Woo! You, on the other hand, had a much nicer feature. that <clears throat> I was so mad when I didn't get to do it. But you got, to sing, <laughs> you got to sing Moonshine Lullaby with Bernadette. I did. How was that actually singing on stage with her? Surreal. Back. It was surreal. I'll never forget back in rehearsals when I, somebody was like, we need Sean Amiel, Eric Scotto, and David Valella after lunch, please, blah, 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 blah. And I just remember walking in, and it was Bernadette, John McDee, who was like on the Rosie O'Donnell show at the time, you know, and the three of us at a piano working out harmonies and singing. And I'm just thinking to myself, am I dreaming right now? Like, what is going on? Like, I'm standing at a piano with Bernadette Peters, with John, it was just crazy. And then to be able to do that every night was just like, you know, I mean, look, it's a little feature, and if they're looking at us, that's ridiculous because all of the Annies are so beautiful and the song is so pretty, and the kids, anytime you're on stage with children, no one's looking at you anyway. But still, (laughs) it was just this cool moment to be a part of, and um, it was awesome. It was really awesome. You forgot to mention that I covered the hoop dancer. <laughs> you did cover the hoop dancer. That was uh, it was a nightmare. You had to Thank put on you. a velvet unitard, with a velvet onesie, and pretend I was Native American. It was really exciting. Very, was, very, yeah. very exciting. It was great. But no, that experience. Obviously, I met you, and we're still incredibly close. So I'm so grateful. But that time in my life was just literally. It was like. An amazing time for me you know I the people I was surrounding myself with having a job finally in New York City you know taking the train to Times Square every day and getting to walk through a stage door and and be a part of a great production that people were really liking was magical oh absolutely magical yeah well I'll never remember the one of the first times Bernadette never came into the men's ensemble dressing room not really and she did the first time she ever did she was looking for you yeah because she had hair products she would she would give me her like hair products that because she probably had like five billion different things and I'll, I'll always remember her like we were at we were doing our tech where were we purchased yes, purchase? purchase. yeah. we were doing tech and we were like they were like hold please and it was moonshine lullaby and I was sitting like kneeling next to her and we, she was bored and she had just started like playing with my hair and my curls and I was like oh my god Bernadette's touching me <laughs> and then she was like what are you using your hair and we started chatting and then she was like I'm gonna bring something in for you and I Graham Webb I still remember to this day the product and she brought it in and I like went and I tried to put it in my hair and when I brought it back to her She's like, did you put it in your hair? And I was like, I did. Why? She's like, Mm-mm, come here, please. She sat me down in her dressing room. She slathered her hands full of this product, and she started doing my hair. And again, I was like, what is my life right now? I can't even believe this is happening. Um, and then she was like, no, keep that, keep that. And she was like, every once in a while, I get these like random like hair products that burned it at Peter's was like, we both have curly hair. It's going to work great for you. So it was I just, think that's great. It was amazing. And you took a leave of absence to go um, play Che in Evita. I did at the Carousel Dinner Theater, now defunct. But yes, I got this opportunity to do a dream role. At that point, I've, I've played it twice more since. But at that time, I had never gotten to do the show. And I was always such a fan of it. So when the opportunity arose where I could maybe go play Che, I remember 
asking for a leave and being granted one that's a whole nother thing of like that never happens no. like when you get to leave a show and go do like a regional production and come back to a Broadway show and everyone when I got to Akron was like wait I'm sorry excuse me you left a Broadway show with Bernadette Peters to come to Akron Ohio to do dinner theater and I said yes I did because I'm getting to do I was third cowboy from the right happily so yeah. in New York but I get to be in the spotlight singing a, a leading role yeah you know, and I wanted to get out of the ensemble at some point. You know, I was very happy being there and I'd oh, go absolutely. back tomorrow. But at some point I wanted to transition from an ensemble person to a feature or a lead. So that was like the first, other than Tugger, which is, a, you know, kind of a feature lead. He's like right. two numbers and you don't forget him. But still, it's like I wanted to be able to get more roles on my resume. So... I, I went and did that, and it was very exciting. I was just thinking about the sloth story that Bernadette gave me, the sloth. Oh, we no. should share that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually wasn't there for Bernadette's leaving the show. I had my own sort of goodbye with her before I left because I was going to do Che and Evita. And she gave me this really cute, like, Beanie Babies were huge at the time. And she gave me this sloth Beanie Baby with a card, and we got to hug and say goodbye, and it was magical. And then years and years later... <laughs> My best friend Brad is fixing up my place and getting it ready because I was out in Vegas and you were going to help me put my stuff in storage and um, sends me pictures of the chew toy that he gave to his friend's dog and it just happened to be the sloth beanie baby that Bernadette Peters gave me as a goodbye present. <laughs> but I had Thanks, no Brad. idea. No, I was, I was putting all your stuff in storage and there was like this dusty... I didn't even know it was a sloth. Yeah, it was a and sloth. And then you're like, why are you showing me this? Yeah. I was like, it's cute. You're like, Bernadette gave me that. Bernadette Brad. gave me that. And the Brad. video I sent him was this dog, like, destroying it. Destroying it. it. <laughs> okay. But at least the dog got to enjoy it, and it was kind of collecting dust all this year. So <laughs> it's, it's all good, but it's just one of those funny moments where I'm like, oh, that Beanie Baby is gone, gone forever. Gone forever. It's fine. So that was a, a great Broadway experience. And how was yeah. uh, the off-Broadway experience of Boobs the Musical for you? That, you know, it's it was interesting. <laughs> I, um, I, I got to be in Boobs the Musical at the triad. <laughs> but how funny that you also got to be part of that, too. I did. You put me in the show. Another shared experience, because I think I was the, the dance, dance captain. captain. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so there was this cute, the music of Ruth Wallace, and I got involved with this fun production, this campy, like, spoofy, fun production up at the Triad, and I was just the swing, there. I think it was Three Men, Three Women, am mm -hmm. I right? It's been so long, so long. Um, and I covered the men, and I would dance captain, and it was kind of a cool experience. I mean, it was a small venue, and, you know, there were people who would occasionally and how long did it last overall just over a year just maybe? over a year it yeah. moved to like three different theaters it was moving around I had left it before it started moving but it was cool you know I, I'm glad I got to have the off-Broadway experience you know and I also the only other thing I did in New York was at at Lincoln Center I did Candide oh right which was kind of cool um, to do something else in New York I mean there's so much to do there but um that was a cool experience as well. I got that through Deanna Dyes, who also was part of Annie Gets Gets you Again. Yep. Well, the next uh, period of your life is a lot of, you called it like the pack in your bag sublet part of your life. How is, oh. I mean, just being a working actor in New York doesn't mean you're actually working in New York. I would say the majority of people don't get the luxury of working in New York just because you're living there. They're, all the regional theaters throughout the country and the cruise ships and the theme park, they all audition in New York. And then a lot of times work is work and you want to get the credits and you want to be performing, you'll take gigs. And I, I'm always very proud of a lot of the regional work that I did do. They're great theaters. The production values were awesome. I mean, the, the only part that sucks a little bit is you go home to a hotel room or cast housing and and that's your life for two months, 10 weeks, you know, it depends. But I did a lot of that. I mean, I worked regionally as many people in our business do. I packed a bag and went to Denver and packed the bag and went to Massachusetts and packed the bag and went to DC. I mean, that's what, that's part of it. And it's, it's not always easy. Like you said, you gotta find sublets. 
you know, and back then before all the internet sites that there are now that make it easier, it was a lot of word of mouth. It was going to the equity building and posting on the bulletin mm -hmm. board. It was calling all your friends. I mean, it was not as easy as it is now. I'm sure it's a lot easier now, but um, that was a big part of my life. I mean, and again, I love the credits I got regionally. I love doing a lot of the shows that I did, but um, I wasn't home. I didn't have the stability of waking up in my own bed and going to work. And if you have a partner or a pet, it's an even added layer of complication because you're away from your loved ones. And that was never easy for me, never got easy. And it put a strain on the relationship. I always worried about my cat or my cats at the time. Are they okay? I missed being without them. Once again, you saved the day and shipped my cats to me out here in Vegas. So thank you again for that. <laughs> but yeah, that was not easy. I didn't you know. feed them to a dog. I thank you for that too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and even coming out here to Vegas where I am now, I thought this was going to be one more of those pack the bags and go for a little right. stint. Um, and six months turned to a year. Well, let's, we'll get to that Okay, in a hold that thought. Uh, so uh, after like your regional theater thing, this is the part of your life that, not to get too personal, that you were really struggling and you were really unhappy with New York. You weren't really auditioning anymore. You had two jobs yeah. just to pay the rent and live in New York. So, well, I mean, what is that like? Because you have a huge Broadway credit and now you're, you don't even have time to go to an audition because you're struggling to pay the rent. Yeah, that was the most challenging period of my life. I don't know. There was like four years where I couldn't, sell my behind you know it was like i i can't explain it i just i i got i got caught up in you know living in a very expensive city and then to afford that i i had sort of gone through all my savings from all of my larger paying gigs and then it was like oh i guess i need to get a job which i really had very few survival jobs um if any i did like when i first got to new york i think i did some like um, calling at a call center for something, but nothing really in between to, to pay bills. I was supporting myself as a performer. And then all of a sudden that well was running dry and I was like, I need to get a gig, like an actual money-making gig. So I was a receptionist down on Wall Street during the day and then nights I substitute ushered at the Met, at the Opera House. And it was rough. I mean, those were long hours. I had to be downtown by 8 a.m. Sometimes those operas, those fat people don't shut up, so you're there till <laughs> after midnight some nights, and then you turn around and do it again. I mean, it was a rough period, and it made me appreciate, you know, a lot of what I had and what I now have, and, you know, getting to, getting to make money doing what you love to do is a blessing. And a lot of us and a lot of people, I think, sometimes can take that for granted. But... Um, I'm glad I went through it. I learned a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. I learned, you know, how to hang in there and how to not give up. You know, I came close to wanting to give up, trust me. Because then trying to rush to an audition on my lunch break and run in and try not to look like I've been up for eight hours already, you know, and, and feel like I can do my best, which I didn't think I was doing my best, but I was trying to do my best. It was not easy. Well, because you're one of the most fun-loving, optimistic people I know because I, I like to surround myself with people like that but I would Thanks. meet you down the only time I could see you because you were so busy is if I met you at lunch, lunch uh, down on Wall Street yeah and you were dead inside I was dead I had gained weight I was exhausted I wasn't finding time to go to the gym you know it was I was depressed you know so like it was not easy look New York City is an incredible incredible place and I always say I had uh, I still have and had then a love-hate relationship with it it's where my dreams came true and where I got to experience some of the most monumental things in my life and it's where I was pushed to my limit as far as financial challenges heartbreak both relationship and business um, it's an amazing, challenging place to exist. And I think everyone should do it for whatever period of time they're comfortable doing it for. But I'm also kind of glad that I survived and was able to get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> and not turn into those people in New York who are like jaded, bitter, miserable people. Because they could do that to you. I, can, I understand why those people become so hardened. Absolutely. It's, it's not easy, you know. So... Do I miss it? 100%. I, 
I see movies, I see TV shows, and I'm like, oh, I used to sit on that bench. You know, like there's stuff like that, but then I'm like, you know what? Like I have central air, a dishwasher, and a pool for half of what I was paying for a closet, you know? So there, there's a lot of things that when you put it in perspective, make, make, it, make it okay to have left the city. I'll always miss it. Maybe I'll go back. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But it was a giant chapter of my life that I learned a crap ton about myself living there. Well, your decision to move uh, kind of happened uh, spontaneously. You got a, uh, an offer to come to Vegas for six months. Yes. And so at that time, you were just planning on coming for six months and going back to New York. Absolutely. And I kept my New York apartment for two years. Oh, almost over two years of being here in Vegas because I kept thinking one more contract then I'm back one more contract then I'm back and that and now it's five years later and I'm still thinking how many more contracts can I do this for but at that time I fully intended to go back to New York I really did you know it, it was just this slow evolution of oh I kind of like it out here oh I'm actually saving some money oh I am not as stressed I have time for myself to go to the gym and to explore my spirituality and to relax and feel healthy and feel calm and feel normal so um, I, I fully intended to go back and then thanks to you again helping me get my stuff in storage and let go of that apartment which was huge for me I was in oh, that yeah. apartment over 10 years and um, as far as being an adult that was a huge chunk of my adult life was living in that apartment and, and the memories I had of it. Um, and then finally getting you to send my stuff that was in storage for a year in New York, because I still thought maybe I'll go back and just grab my crap out of storage and go somewhere else. And then finally we were like, um, can we send that stuff to Vegas? So this is home base for me now, which is still weird to say, honestly. But I think it's great. I think, especially when we were kids, Broadway was the be all end all and you couldn't make a living being a live performer hmm. anywhere else. And now there's places in, in Chicago and yeah. I mean, Dallas and you know, uh, Denver. And Denver. I have friends in Denver who go from show to show at the smaller theaters yeah. there. And it is possible. I mean, look, let's be real. Broadway is the creme de la creme, height of musical theater, everything. And I get that, and, and as it should be. But you can actually still perform and do musicals in other places now and live a very satisfying life doing so maybe even more satisfying because there's a smaller pool so you're a bigger fish in a smaller pool outside of New York City and you can get the bigger role so it, it's not Broadway but it, it's not horrible and there's amazing productions and here I am in Las Vegas it's funny they always say the entertainment capital of the world well when I was growing up in New Jersey I would have been like kiss my butt New York City is the entertainment capital of the world but it really it's it's the theater capital, I would say, of the world. But there's so much going on out oh, here there's in Vegas. So much. There's lounges and concerts and stand up and Cirque du Soleil. And there's so much going on. So entertainment, just as a broad spectrum of all kinds of entertainment, this is the place to be. And you know, Broadway shows do come out here now. They have the Smith Center, so the tours come through. So I don't necessarily have to feel like I'm missing out because that was a big part of why I love being in New York, which is going to see shows. Yeah. Now at least I can do that. And um, there are opportunities here. There really are and and you can make a nice living outside of New York City singing and dancing absolutely you know, not for everybody you know I, I still think that if you want to do musical theater that you should probably try New York at least to give it a go but you you can do and work in other places definitely so you're coming up on your fifth year in Vegas, the show at uh, oh Planet Hollywood. Oh my God, that is correct. And how do you well, how do you keep it fresh? I know you've also gone to from track to track to track, but how do you keep doing a show, the same show for five years fresh? Uh, well, I don't even know. I'm a napper. <laughs> <laughs> I like to nap. No, I really. I, I hope I am keeping it fresh. Who's to say that I'm, I am? I mean, I I'm, think I've seen I, you. Four times, well, four you. different tracks, and you're thanks. you're amazing. I'd like to say that, you know, look, if I only have to work, you know, four hours a day, I can get my energy up and give it to the audience. They deserve to see it for the first time and experience it as if it's being done just for them. As a, as a theater goer, I need to see people on stage serving it. I don't like to see people marking and mm -hmm. just going through the motions. It pisses me off. So from that standpoint, 
I also love what I do. So I'm not going to lie. There are days I go in and I'm like, oh, my God, if I have to sing What's New Pussycat one more freaking time, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, I, I work with incredibly talented people. I... I am a part of a production that is so wonderfully received. I mean, we do meet and greet after the show. And to honestly hear these people say the beautiful things that they say, we had so much fun, that's the best show we've seen. I mean, people are sincerely loving the show. So that all helps to be a part of something that is very well received and to work with incredibly talented people who I respect and love. That energy keeps me going. But there's days, there were days that Annie Get Your Gun two and a half years where I was putting those boots on going, oh my God, and like, if I twirl this gun one more freaking time, you know, I mean, but that's any job. I think, you know, Absolutely. bankers probably go in and say, if I got to count this money one more time, and veterinarians, if I got to put one more cat to sleep, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard, you know, any yeah. job, monotony is a part of any process, but we get to do what we love to do. And not many people really get to say that. And we get to say that. And as people in our age bracket that can still say that, I'm not telling you my age, but it's, you know, not in my 20s or 30s anymore. You can Google it and I'm sure you'll find out. Anyway, I'm 45. Shut up. All right, just shut up. That was mean. How dare you put me under the pressure. Anyway, to be 45 years old and still getting to sing and dance and perform every night is amazing. Amazing. Well, it's I'm a your blessing. age. I hope I'm still doing it. Well, next year you'll let me know. <laughs> you bitch! No, I'm just saying, like, it really is about still getting to do what we love to do. Oh, absolutely. Is a blessing. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, it's like, I'm so grateful for that. So that gets me through. When I think about all those mornings I sat at a desk on Wall Street sending FedExes, I could, you know, cry because that was not doing something that I love to do. Absolutely. I think one of the things I remember about, well, I'm struggling right at this particular moment, but I mean, when you're struggling is that the things that get um, avoided are your mental health, your spiritual health, and you're just doing everything you can to pay your bills um, and maybe get to dance class that you forsake so many important things. And I think that's the benefit of a long running show. People just think purely of the financial stuff. Yeah. But like now you're in a place where you're able to take guitar lessons and uh, venture your, into what you think is good for your mental health or your spiritual health. And I mean, that's one of the things of the golden handcuffs people talk about long running shows that I don't think people discuss. Well, that is sort of an amazing part of stability, of having a, a, a weekly paycheck that you can live on comfortably. I have to say like, the ability to, I'm taking an improv acting class now, and I was taking voices, I did take some guitar lessons, so I took a spirituality class, like to be able to do those things and have not only the time and the money to afford them, but the energy to be alert and in the moment and, and be able to practice and do the readings and do the meditations and do all of that, it is amazing. And I'm, I'm also so grateful that it has afforded me this because like I said most of my gigs were not that long and then it was back to the grind and the stress of worrying about what's next what am I gonna do what how am I gonna pay these bills how what you know blah, blah, blah. all of those things would just add so much of a cloudy mental state that I couldn't have the clarity to really enjoy doing other things I mean I would go to the gym you know when I could I still, when I was in New York City, that was important to me. Of course, in our business, you gotta stay fit and, and try, but that was important. And I was, I went to Lee Casson for therapy for nine years, you know, I but I, there were things that I was working on so that I was still evolving for my own self-worth and my own issues. But now, when I'm in a place where I'm content, for the most part, it's even nicer to do those outside activities because I have the, the clarity and I have the ability to do it and not be stressing. Oh, absolutely. So that, that is also a gift, I would say. You know, people who did Fan of the Opera for 13 years, you know, it's nice to kind of not have to worry. We do a lot of worrying in our business. Oh, We do so a much. lot of worrying. And, you know, what auditions is next and who's this person. I mean, it's it's a lot. So to not have to think about that for a minute or two is kind of nice, you know, and I'm trying to take advantage because I don't know when this chapter will end. 
it, it could end next week. It could end in three years. I mean, I really don't know. So I'm trying to be in the moment and enjoy it as much as I can and, and accomplish as much as I can so that the next time I'm stressing, uh, it'll be time well spent. Right. Uh, with your great uh, attitude in life, and that, what are tools that you have to dealing with disappointment? Because one thing I forgot to bring up is you almost had a second Broadway show. That's correct. I was hired for the revival of Ragtime um, to play Houdini and to cover Tata. And I was so excited because I had done a production of Ragtime up in White Plains. And Lynn Aarons and Stephen Flaherty actually came to see it. So I got to meet them and I got to perform Tata for them. And that was like another dream come true moment. I shared a dressing room with Jerry Dixon, who was once on this island. He was our cool house. And that was a whole nother crazy experience where I was like, um, I'm in the dressing room one day. I'm like, Jerry, I just want you to know, like, I love once on this island. And I listened to you on the CD a million times, you know, and to be in a dressing room with him and on stage performing with him. Like, those moments are incredible. Yeah. I can't explain it. Even here, I had a moment with Reva Rice who was in my show and who was here with Starlight Express and you know lots of different um, amazing productions. And I just did a gig with her last month at The Win. We performed for, um, I don't know, some corporate event where we sang with a band. And I was like, I'm on stage with Reva Rice doing a gig yeah. at The Win in Las Vegas. Like it was just so cool. And I remember coming here to see Eric and Starlight Express, Eric Jordan Young, my best friend from college, still one of my best friends and I remember thinking oh my god this woman is amazing seeing her in yeah. Starlight and now I'm like on stage so to be able to like love these people and be inspired by these people and then later on be performing right next to them and be friends with them and know them is amazing it's one of those moments where you're like oh my god yes everyone knows who Bernadette Peters is that's great and those stories are cool because right. they are these legendary people but there's so many people that I've been inspired by and that to be friends with them and to share the stage with them is incredible, is really, is a gift. So what was the question you had asked me? <laughs> oh, what do I do? Something about... Well, no, because then you got cast in Ragtime, the revival. Oh, yes. Heart, another heartbreak. That was another giant heartbreak because I was doing a show in Denver and when we landed, I turned my phone on and Eric Jordan Young, who was a part of that production, both productions of Ragtime, mind you, the only cast member who was a part of both productions, he had texted me, call me, I have some news, and he told me that they got their closing notice. Mm -hmm. So I never even got to go into rehearsals for what was gonna be my return to the Broadway stage. Mm. Years later, you know, but in a show that I loved. Absolutely. In a role that would have been so much fun, and I just thought, yay, this is gonna be amazing. It didn't happen. Yeah. And it was another heartbreak. My other big heartbreak, just to get them out of the way, was I was a part of In the Heights in the very beginning stages. I did two readings, and I got to be in a little room at the Dramatist Bookshop with Tommy Kale and Lynn, you know, Manuela. And it was like I saw that you came and saw it, and yeah. it was just this exciting experience. I thought this is going to be so cool, and wow, these people are incredible, and they're so energetic, and they're so brilliant and inspiring and I did two readings of that in the very beginning phases very very beginning and then you know they're little to no money at that point and then I got I think my first West Side Story at Syracuse stage took me out of town when they were recasting for like another reading or workshop whatever it was going to be the next phase and I wasn't around to be a part of it and I got lost in the shuffle, you know, which is kind of sad. And then that went on to win Best Musical. Yeah. It was incredible. I saw it. I was so proud of them and to be a part of that. And now the hot ticket is Hamilton. They're still killing it. The same creative team. Yeah, a lot of the same cast. Yeah. I mean, those people are still like the, the heart of what's happening now. And to know that I was a part of that is both exhilarating and exciting. And I'm so proud to have been a part of it. But again, it's one of those heartbreak moments where you're like, oh my God, look how close I came again. Yeah. How close I came. And you know, anybody in this business can list five to 10 heartbreak moments. Absolutely, we've all been there. But it's it's real. Brenda Braxton told me when I was doing Hot Mikado and I was dog sitting for her because we weren't supposed to have dogs. Ooh, I'm telling your business. But I would watch her dog while they were cleaning her room and she said she came in with her like Louis Vuitton dog bag. And I was like, girl, what you got a Louis Vuitton dog bag for? She was like, I was on tour with something making tour money and I decided to treat myself to a Louis Vuitton dog bag. And I was like, that's fierce. And she said, let me tell you something. And it stuck with me to this day. She said, in show business, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. 
and that has stuck with me to this day. No truer words have been spoken. When you're on top of the wave, it's the best place in the world. And when you're under the wave and can't get an audition and nobody remembers who the fuck you are, it feels like the worst place to ever be. So that's showbiz, kids. Enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> well, I think we're, our interview's coming to an end. Is there a, uh, a special moment or something like that that you just love, that you just love to share, or something silly or a big faux pas mistake or anything like you know, a little dish on the David Vallella. Dish on David Vallella? Is there any dish on David Vallella? I'm sure there's yeah. many a website you could go visit and probably see parts of David Vallella that you shouldn't be looking at. A kid um, might be listening. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, what I meant was, um, no, I don't really, I'm, I can't think of anything on the spot, to be honest. I mean, I'm very grateful for the experiences I've had. I'm very grateful for the people I've gotten to work with and learn from and experience this amazing thing you know and, and if someone's listening and and they are aspiring go for it absolutely go for it i mean you know in any business there's good and bad stories and i feel very fortunate to have so many good ones to talk about i'm sure i could dig through the files and pull out 150 bad ones right but that's anybody and i just you know i I, again, doing what you love to do, I don't care what it is, performing or laying pavement or digging ditches. If you really love it and it's going to make you jump out of bed every morning to go do it, do it. That to me is what's most important. So just love what you do and surround yourself with people who love you for doing it. Great. What song out of your whole career uh, would you like to end this podcast with? Well, I think since we talked about it, I would love a mega mix from Annie Get Your Gun. I think you should do a little bit of us singing Moonshine Lullaby and then cap it off with no business like show business like no business I know. Sounds like a plan. Thank, Thank you Brad. so much. Behind the hill there's a busy little still where your pappy's working in the moonlight. Your loving paw isn't quite within the law, so he's hiding there behind the show business like no business I know everything about it is appealing everything the traffic will allow nowhere can you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bar 
There's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. Yesterday they told you you would not go far. That night you open, and there you are. Next day on your dressing room, they've hung a star. Let's go on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I am Colonel Buffalo Bill Cody, the owner and founder of the most famous Wild West show on earth. You are now going to see my own personal version of the tempestuous and romantic story of Annie Oakley and Frank Butler. Here's a handsome and dashing leading man, Mr. Frank Butler! There's no business like show business, like no business I know. How you were accusing half the night off, waiting till the morning papers came. What a moment when your face would light up To see the write-up and find your name Here's Frank Butler's fearless assistant, the lovely Miss Dolly Tate The costumes, the scenery, the makeup, the props The audience that lifts you when you're down The headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops The sheriff who escorts you out of town The opening when your heart beats like a drum the closing when the customers don't come There's no business like show Business like no business I know Everything inside just starts to shake off When your picture in the news appears And the thrillish morning when you wake up With dogs of makeup behind your ears There's no people like show team of Keeler and Kate. There's no business like show business. If you tell me it's so. There's no business like show business. 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 